Welcome to the recap. Is that okay for you guys? It's probably a little much. Recap, or also known as refuting egregious Christological apostasies perennially. I don't know if I'll ever recover, honestly, Daniel. <laughs> I can't unsee the last 15 seconds. <laughs> It wasn't much to see, I promise. We're here with Caleb Figures. You preached on Genesis 7 this last week. Welcome, brother. Good morning. Welcome. Yeah. Is it good morning? It's yes. not. It's afternoon. afternoon. Now. But you're a seminary student, so and you're about to graduate. I'm hoping to, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Hoping to. Is that... Yep. So if I can make it across open, the finish line, open God question helps about me. that. Okay. <laughs> well, you can make it across it. So Genesis 7 and uh, the beginning of the flood. Um, any initial reflections, Dave? Welcome back, Dave. From Yo. Florida. And Nick, you've always been here, so no welcome back. <laughs> never, never left. You've always yeah. been. You've always been here. Um, any reflections initially on Genesis 7 sermon? <coughs> oh, me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I, uh, Nick's busy coughing. So. Nick's busy coughing. I'll, t- I'll jump in. Yeah, yeah, I. Nick's <laughs> really busy sorry, coughing I right just next to me. My own saliva. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's uh, Nick's throat is flooded right now with his own saliva. Mm. I uh, I watched it and uh, and I enjoyed it. I got to read the manuscript beforehand from Caleb as well, and I thought uh, I just thought he did a good job of handling what was there in the text and uh, drawing out both the. <laughs> The soberness of God's, I don't know what's going on in this room, the soberness of God's wrath against sin and drawing us into that, and then the, the hopefulness of where God's wrath ultimately landed in Jesus. I thought it was, a, I thought it was well done, and I was, I was thankful for it. Yep, me too. What about the, what about the fish, Caleb? <laughs> That's a good question. That's the question that most people have asked me since you're talking about the fish. <laughs> I've been asked that question too. So... The text does not tell us what would happen with the fish. So the only place we can go is speculation. Um, we might say uh, the text talks about everything that has the breath of life, and we would think fish do not breathe. Mm-hmm. So that might be one explanation. But does that account for whales and dolphins that do breathe air? The text does not say. So I really can't go anywhere that the text doesn't take me. Mm, that's a safe answer. Good for you. Good for you. I think you're going to make it across the finish line at BCS. Artful dodge by by non-answer. Yeah, and I appreciate, um, so I remember the first sermon you preached here last year Mm. um, and seeking to Mm -hmm. make uh, just rhetorical connections to a wide range of audience and speak in such a way that's accessible for, you know, kids are in the audience, other things like that. I think that's kind of a... Uh, your jam. You want to talk a little bit about that, like trying to speak in a way that's accessible broadly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are family members that I have and friends that I have that I don't think would um, be able to understand uh, a sermon if I was using all of the different theological terms and things like that. So I always kind of have those people that I love and care about in my mind while I'm prepping a sermon, thinking, how would how would they receive this? Would it make sense to them if I tried to use this term or if I used it without explaining it? Um, So I think it is really important that we proclaim the gospel in a way that people who haven't heard it can hear it and understand. Um, A a sermon that blesses people that already understand and already believe is a good thing, but a sermon that can do both um, is definitely what I try to shoot for. So having accessible terminology is a really important point for, for what I'm 
trying to do my best job. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated how you helped us see the purpose of the author of Genesis in slowing down by repeating Mm -hmm. and then bringing those things up and especially highlighting the things like God shut them in and other things that were unusual in terms of um, the various repetitions. Yeah, I have a, I actually have a question about that. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. So go yeah, ahead. I, niche. I was, oh my goodness. So I was really struck by just that phrase, and the Lord shut him in, mm-hmm. which you brought out that it speaks to God's doing the salvation. Mm-hmm. And it really, it kind of struck me in a fresh way that there's kind of like, okay, God shut him in, so there's no getting out of the salvation. Right. Like it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. It is sure because God is the one doing it. So does this, do you think that this speaks towards, I mean, I don't want to say like jump right to perseverance of the saints, mm-hmm. but the inevitability, the sureness of God's salvation, like they're not getting out of the ark. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's kind of a double meaning of that. The wall of the ark, like the actual physical wall of the boat, as it were, is a dividing line between who lives mm-hmm. and who perishes in the flood. Um, I think that's on purpose. That's deliberate. Um, so we we see here Noah obeying God's commands, but it's God who's giving them. It's God's plan that Noah follows. Mm-hmm. So no, um, God determines that Noah and his family are going to be in the ark, but God is also the one, not Noah, who decides who's not going to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think we're right to see that there as God's sovereignty at work in who... Um, lives to see another day after yep. the flood is over. And once once they're in, they're going to be saved. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yeah, I thought, I thought both you and Daniel, actually, with Genesis 6, did a great job of talking about God's sovereignty and yet uh, and, and commending obedience mm-hmm. while also recognizing that, that the reason, the way Noah walks with God is by faith. Yeah. So the connection with faith and God's sovereignty... And uh, to, to say this is how it happens, God is sovereign, Noah walked with God by faith, God is seeing that faith and commending that faith, and then also making it invitational. Mm-hmm. Hey, so come on into faith, you know? I thought, I thought both you... Because that's, I, to me, in preaching it, those, that's, the tricky, that's the tricky part to explain in preaching mm-hmm. both those chapters, and I thought both you did. It was consistent, too, mm-hmm. which was, I think, great, a great thing for our people to have that continuity in a couple of chapters in a row. Mm-hmm. Anything left unsaid that you wish you had said, given the uh, time constraints? Uh, there were a couple of rabbit trails that I didn't feel like I had time to chase down, and one of those is um, this very pregnant verse about the great deep bursting forth and the floodgates of the heavens opening. There's been a lot of theological reflection um, throughout church history on what those things could mean. It seemed to me that the, the emphasis that Moses lays on those is the function that it plays in the narrative. So I tried to stay with it from a literary um, perspective, um, just trying to be faithful to the way the story is told and not um, chasing down a bunch of things that we don't have perfect answers to as to, you know, how, how does the, the great deep, um, what, what is that referring to? I thought, well, it's, it's talking about how the flood started and that's what we really need to know there. You didn't talk about views in comparison of like worldwide flood, local flood, does the word for land here, um, you know, refer to the whole earth versus something more like what it means in Genesis to like a specific land. So didn't touch on that because you didn't have time or you'd rather not because the text doesn't really go there. 
Well, I didn't um, present all of the different positions that different people take on that. Um, some would say it was only the the whole known world to Noah and his family that got flooded instead of kind of the entire planet. Um, I think the way it's written, especially if we're looking at, you know, verses 17 and on from there, um, the the Bible is telling us, I, I believe, that the entire world was flooded. Yeah. Um, the, the way it, it really hammers on... Um, all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. Um, I think I would have mm-hmm. to do a bunch of backflips and gymnastics in order to try and yeah. answer that in a different yeah. way. Yeah, surely from the the text, right? Because I think there's a way, um, you know, I certainly have heard Genesis preach more like a, a scientific textbook. Hey, mm-hmm. here's your six options and here's the best one. Um, or sometimes, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that I've ever sat under a sermon <clears throat> like this, but much more metaphorically, here's a picture of sin, et cetera, Mm -hmm. um, without going to the, like, this happened. Right. This is narrative and um, his story. Anything else you guys would say? Do we, I mean, do we have time for one more question real quick? Yes. So, I mean, I appreciated, you talked about him bringing seven of the clean animals. Mm Mm-hmm. So even planning for sacrifice yep. and planning for provision, even through the judgment. Yes. Is there any significance to the number seven that you thought ha, of? Ha, ha. Um, a, a connection with the number seven in this text is not something that I've thought through. Seven pops up in a bunch of different places all over the Bible. Um, it's associated with completion. It's mm-hmm. associated with work that God can do that man can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so often we'll see six of something that's the best that people can do without God's help. And then the seventh one is the one that only God does. Right. And we're reminded of things like Jericho falling on the seventh circuit around. Only God could bring down the walls of Jericho. So that's kind of another indicator here that um, the, the sacrificial um, benefit that would come after the flood when Noah offers up a sacrifice right. to God, Noah can't take credit for yep. for either the the plan planning ahead to be able to do that sacrifice or the result of it. God is providing um, for that sacrifice to be possible even before the flood started. Amen. That's great. Yep. And thinking about God providing seven clean animals for sacrifice that his presence will be with his people and perhaps a surprising place on top of Mount Ararat on the back end is big as we're continuing to think about this covenant triangle. Um, Our God provides a pathway to his presence despite Mm -hmm. the the reality of sin. Mm -hmm. Caleb, thanks for joining us today, brother. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.